we transition into the message, if you are new, you may know or may not know that we are in the middle of what we call our Psalm Song Series. And this is where our pastors take a psalm from the Bible and then related a truth from it to a song you may be familiar with from the radio. So from now on, whenever you hear that song on the radio, you will think of God's revelation through Pastor Joe today. So we are excited to, to hear what Pastor Joe has to share with you, what God told him from the Psalms this week, and we are going to sing a song that is going to blow your mind when he shows you how relevant it is. So feel free to sing along. If you're sitting here and you're saying, what does Miranda Lambert have to do with church on Sunday morning? Well, stay with me and I will take you there. We are doing a series we call Psalm Songs. If you've taken our starting point class, then you have probably heard whoever was teaching it say that Pastor Joe, like the Apostle Paul, who said um, that I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might win some 
on this side of sinning, I will do all things that I can dream up and do to find a way to make that scripture click in your head so that the next time you're out and this pops on the, the radio at the, at the Walmart or if it comes across your radio in your vehicle, all of a sudden you're going to go, oh yeah, I remember when that was in church and I thought, what's Miranda Lambert doing in church? And then Pastor Joe opened up Psalm 109 and it made all the sense in the world. What a song. I want to talk to you about revenge. I want to talk to you about vengeance. Now, some of you are going, oh, oh, that's why you picked a country song. Because come on, <laughs> seriously, country music is full of I'm going to get you back songs, aren't they? Come on. What about Carrie Underwood before he cheats? Carve my name in his leather seat. Yeah, come on. I'm going to get him back, right? What about a boy named Sue? Huh? Let's go Johnny Cash. I'm looking for dad because I'm going to get him back, all right? What about Loretta Lynn if I go really old school going to Fifth City, okay? I'm going to take you down. What about uh, courtesy of the red, white, and blue, a little Toby Keith uh, from Oklahoma? What about that? What about, come on, what about if we would use Garth Brooks, Papa Loves Mama? And we put a big front end of a semi up here instead, you know, went through the hotel room. But here, classic who gives a rip? Travis Tritt, here's a quarter. <laughs> right? I mean, come on now. Come on now. But that's what we're looking at. You know, we could make a whole list of all the get back at you songs that are out there, and we could have picked any one. And you're going to see that it makes absolute perfect sense here in just a minute. I promise you. You're going to say, oh, wow, look at that. Okay? Because we can do this. You know, there's something about, you know, movies like Taken and, and I, I don't know, you pick yours, but that, th you know, the little guy gets beat up too many times or taken advantage of, and then something happens and suddenly he's the big guy and everybody's, you know, like rooting for Liam Neeson. You know, it's like, come on, come on, come on. You know, we want to see this destroyed at the end because some of us, let, let's just be honest. Now, listen, at some place, you feel in your life like you've been taken advantage of. And then what did that make you feel like? You felt like you were used. You felt like you got abused. And you just wanted desperately for somebody to step in. You felt like you were ignored. You felt like you were not valued. Or maybe, maybe you were just really hurt by somebody in a really significant, powerful way. And there was nothing you could do about it. And you just wished that fire would fall from heaven. You ever prayed that prayer? Where something happened and you're just like, Lord, I just wish you would smite him. That's a spiritual word for kill him, you know. But you've been there where you're just like, I do not have to put up with this God if you would just intervene and do something about that person right now. And we've been there and it happens. Because when, when we get abused or used or cast aside or ignored or somebody sticks a knife in our back, it's embarrassing, it's humiliating, it ends up being shameful and frustrating because there's nothing you can do. What, I mean, what else would you throw out there that it makes you feel like? Some place where you've been chucked aside, told you were worthless, walked away from, taken advantage of, stripped of your money, and then suddenly you're like, and how did I let that happen to me? What happened? And you just wish for just a split second, man, I wish it would come around and they'd get theirs. I can't wait till they get theirs, right? 
can't wait till they get theirs. Or if I could just have superpowers for a couple of minutes, Lord, I would take care of them. I would just use laser eyes and cut them in half. That's just the way it would be. Or, God, won't you send somebody in here so I don't have to do it, but to mop the floor with them? Because I feel like a little person and they're too big for me. What about that? Truth be told, we all feel like that at some point. And so did David when he wrote Psalm 109. I want you to look at the words. You know, David, he's that songwriter, right? I mean, when he writes psalms, he's like, we're going to church. We're going to see God. We're going to safely abide under his wing. It's going to be wonderful. Look what he says in this psalm. It's Miranda Lambert. I'm telling you, Psalm 109 is Miranda Lambert. It's gunpowder and lead. Look at what it says here in verse 1, and I'm just going to read through 15. Oh, God, whom I praise. And you're like, yeah, we're having church. Do not remain silent, for wicked and deceitful men have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues, with words of hatred. They have surrounded me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me. But I'm a man of prayer, Lord. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. So this is what I want you to do, Lord. I want you to appoint an evil man, not a good man. Look what David said. I want you to go find a wicked guy. Nasty, evil, doesn't follow God kind of guy. That's what he's saying. God, I want you to appoint an evil man to oppose him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. May his, play, his days be few, and may another take his place of leadership. Just for the record, that's a prophetic word about um, Judas Iscariot. But look what it says as he goes on. This is what David's feeling about this person that we know nothing about. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize everything he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend a kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. May their sins always remain before the Lord that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. (laughs) What happened to David? (laughs) What happened to the little shepherd boy with the guitar? Well, it was a liar, really, L-Y-R-E, but what happened to him, man? Where did his joy go? What's the deal? Why is he doing this and suddenly he wants somebody destroyed? I don't know if you saw that. Did you notice he didn't say, give me the strength to do it? He said, I'm going to continue to be good because I'm a man of prayer. So why don't you get some of these wicked heathen people over here from the next county over and get them to come over here and do my business for me. Get them to take care of this guy. I'm going to stand here and laugh at him. Blot him out from the sun. Make his children beggars. Make their mothers never be remembered. Their name never be counted again on the earth. I mean, it is absolutely crazy. Man, I wish we knew this story. It's like, David, who are you talking about? What's actually going on here? This kind of leaves me feeling like I'm listening to a bad um, 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 Taylor Swift song. You know what I'm saying? It's like, who did you break up with that you wrote that? Who hurt you that, you know, we got to sing this song again? And it's like, yeah, I mean, you want somebody to write a song about you? Go, go kick her in the shin. She will write a song about you. 
Okay? And, and it leaves you wondering, what happened that she wrote this song? David's in the same place because we don't know who David is writing about. He's clearly not writing about an army. He's not writing about another king. He's not writing about another empire. He's writing about somebody. And just for the record, this is a church song where David's concerned. This is a psalm put in the psalms set to a tune to be sung. And it's like, wow. He wants God to deal with this. David wants God to handle it. David may have been writing about his son Absalom. We don't know. There's a theological belief of that. His son tried to take over his kingdom. David may have been writing about his father-in-law, Saul. While Saul was still king, David wouldn't touch him, even though David had already been anointed king, especially at the writing of Psalm 109. And it's like he would not touch him. David knew that he was king, but he would not deal with Saul. And Saul's like chucking spears at him. And he's his father-in-law. It might have been Ahithophel or even Doeg. We'll never know till we meet David in glory. We won't. Hey, David, who was Psalm 109 about? What happened there? Somebody took your Cheerios. It's like, what's up? But there are things that we do know from this psalm. We know David was hurt, don't we? He was hurt. Not like hurt, like, ooh, I got a boo-boo. You could not, not like that. Hurt like in here, in his soul. David was hurt. And he was hurt bad. By whoever this was, it was deep. It wasn't about a battle he lost. He wasn't crying to God. This king whooped me and sent me home with my tail between my legs. It wasn't about somebody calling him names. It was about somebody that he trusted. That stuck a knife right in his back. Right when he thought he could trust this person, believe in this person, whatever it was, we don't know. But this is the kind of hurt that takes place when you give your soul to somebody in a relationship of friendship or even um, of marriage and somebody sticks that knife in it. It's the hurt that comes when somebody takes a relationship for 10 or 15 years and kicks it to the curb and says, I never liked you anyway. Or a 15-year platonic relationship that you have with, a, with, with, with somebody and, and they come and they say, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't like you anymore. I don't know what you've become or who you've become. Get out of my life. And you think, wow, we worked things out before. Because people bump heads. I get it. But wow, this is David. This is the hurt that takes place when your marriage falls apart. This is the hurt that takes place when close family members don't agree with your politics, don't agree with your Jesus, don't agree with the way that you're raising your kids. I've seen it all. They don't want to be around you. They don't like you. Get out of our lives. Um, you're not the person that we thought you were going to be. You're not doing something for me. In any case, this was a close friend. And David was a man with close friends. David had a friend. His name was Jonathan. He was the king's son. He was a friend who was closer than a brother. They loved each other. They traded clothes. I mean, like, you know, like warrior clothes, shields and ephods and, and, and weapons and things like that just to, to seal their friendship. They made a covenant with each other. Jonathan, excuse me, even though he was the heir apparent to the kingdom of Israel, 
He knew that, that Samuel had come and anointed David, and so he had lost out. He was not going to be king. But his friend David was going to be, and he cared and loved David very much. There are people that will tell you that that was proof of their homosexual relationship, and I'm here to tell you there is nothing in the Scripture to support that. Nothing. There are friends that can be closer to you than a brother is. And David had one of those relationships, and there it was. Man, they were close. What do you do with your vengeance when somebody hurts you like that? What do you do? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 what to do with our hurts and stuff when we've, when we've, been, when we've been hurt. He tells us what to do with it. He, he puts it there, and then it's a matter of what are we going to do with it. But he, he lays it out. Now, let me just share with you. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it is the core, the core of who Jesus is. And listen, and listen, following Jesus means that we follow the teachings of the, of the Christ. Jesus the Christ. So when we say we're Christians, what we mean is we follow the teachings of Jesus. And if we want to know what Jesus says to do with our hurts and our pain, then we come to Matthew 5. We come to the Sermon on the Mount and begin there. Because everything else, believe it or not, supports these three chapters in the Bible. And this is what, what Jesus says. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends the rain, his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but it is an absolute natural instinct, a natural humanity for us. That if somebody comes up and kicks you in the shin, you, you kind of kick them back. If somebody pushes you, you push them back. That's our flesh. That's our humanity. And believe it or not, God is telling us as Christian people, we are to fight against that human inclination. I'll, I'll show you how, how ingrained in you it is. We have a child. Um, it's a he child. I'll at least go there with you. It's a he child. And when this he child was a toddler and in a diaper, Still in a diaper. My wife went off to a prayer meeting somewhere with some ladies in the middle of the afternoon. They would get together for a Bible study. And there was another he child there in a diaper, but he was bigger than my he child. He was older than my he child. And my he child is the most laid back, easygoing, loving person in the world. And as my child was going down the hallway, my wife tells me, the other he child who lived there was coming the other way, bumped into my child, knocked him on his little diaper, and kept right on going because they're both toddlers. She said, our he child jumped up off the ground and went after that other kid. I'm talking about somebody under two years of age is lunging at another child because of the unfairness that that kid knocked him down. How can they know this? Except that there's something ingrained inside of us. I said, well, what happened? Because I do want to know the rest of the story. I said, did he clobber him? She said, no, I got to him just in time. <laughs> she said, but he was going to take that kid down. He's barely two years of age. He's barely talking and there's something inside that says, if you push me, I'm going to push you harder. 
If you hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. But it was Jesus that said, if somebody smacks you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one. I don't like that teaching. Uh, I don't either because it hurts. <laughs> the question is, are you a follower of Jesus or not? Not do you like what he said because that's what it comes down to. How do we handle it? In the book of Romans, Paul writes to the church in Rome. Remember, occupied. Israel is occupied by Rome. Paul finds himself in Rome. Paul writes a letter to the church in Rome, and he says, Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, It's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. There's a place there to say, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. What we do, thought for you, what we do with our hurt reveals our maturity. How many times in the last year have you seen on social media all kinds of cryptic things typed up because somebody got hurt somehow and you don't have a clue because they're not going to tell you because they think that that would be gossip, so they're going to do everything they can to get you to ask, what, 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 what? And there's like 800 people that you know, posted and said, oh, you're the best person ever. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? They're not going to tell you. They're just going to use social media to try to get their, the attention that they want. What you do with your hurt reveals your maturity, okay? Or do you share it around? Do you go to everybody and say, well, you know what they did to me? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they did to me? Or, or do you approach that person like we're called to do in Scripture? If somebody hurts you, if somebody offends you, you go to them. Not to social media, not to everybody else. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 18. <clears throat> if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault. If somebody hurts you and offends you, go sit down with them one-on-one -on -one with nobody else around and say, listen, I need to talk to you. When you did this, I felt hurt. You don't start it by saying, you hurt me and you did this because they don't have a clue. Or they do and they need to be held accountable, but still, we got offended by what they did to us. We got hurt by what they did to us, and we need to own our part. I was offended when you did this. So if your brother or sister um, sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But let me show you what church community is supposed to look like. Okay, But if they won't listen to you, then take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, then take it to the whole church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So you see what's going on. If somebody hurts you, go sit down and say, listen, I was hurt by this. Give them a chance to say they're sorry. Give them a chance to work it out. If they won't listen to you, take somebody, a witness, so it's corroborated by two or three witnesses. That means it has to be somebody who saw it. Take them with you and sit down with them and say, this is what happened. If that doesn't work, then you take it to the church leadership. And if that doesn't work, then you begin to put them over there because sometimes there are people that will continue to hurt you. And this scripture is saying you need to treat them as somebody who's not saved. Heathen, pagans, how does it say it? 
Treat them as a pagan and a tax collector. Both terms for specifically for sinners, not people saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. At some point, you will have to take some of your closest friends, people that don't like the direction that Jesus is taking your life, and you will have to put them outside the circle. And if they get super ugly about it, then you're going to see that they're revealing whether Christ lives inside of them or not. And we have to be willing to do that because sometimes that's the only option available to us. But what do you do with a friend of yours who got hurt by somebody else? Because that says something about our immaturity, if I can just be that direct about it. Do we take offense for other people's offenses? See where I'm going with that? It's like if somebody makes them mad, and they come and say, that person made me mad. Do you go and say, well, you made my friend mad, so I am going to be mad at you now. We're not called to do that. Believe it or not, that is actually immature. And we're not called to be like that. We're called to help reconcile people, but we're not called to bear people's offenses for them. Okay? Or stay out of the situation altogether. We need to be aware of this. Um, in, in the book of Romans, it says this is the way we're called to live. L love must be sincere. And remember, love is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's not a romantic feeling. It's, it's, it's what you do. So the rest of that, what I'm about to share with you, it has to be couched in the idea that love is what you do. Okay? Love what must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to, be, uh, to what is good. Be devoted to one another in your, I could say it this way, in your actions to one another. Be devoted to one another in love, in the way you treat one another. Treat each other good, help each other, mow each other's lawn, buy each other a coffee. Okay, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Here it comes. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That's what Paul tells the people in Rome. Stop looking down your nose at other people. Don't be hurt by every offense that comes along. And if somebody starts attacking you, don't hurl attack back at them. Instead, begin to pray for them. Because here's the deal. If, 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 if the Holy Spirit can change that person, you've won a friend. You've made a friend. If not, you want God to move them out of your circle. And that's not wrong. There is nothing wrong with that. Verse 17, do not, do not repay evil for evil. Don't do it. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In as much as it lies within you, the scripture says, be at peace with all men. That's where I first memorized that scripture in King James. And as much as it lies within you, be at peace with all men. What that means is Paul understands it's not possible. Everybody's not going to like you. And some aren't going to like you just because they don't want to. Some aren't going to like you because somebody else doesn't like you. Because they're carrying their grudge for them. 
And that's not where God wants you and I to be. And then it goes on to say, do not again, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when we find ourselves in the middle of these situations where we're just struggling and we say, God, I need you to do something. This is what we actually need. We need God to do something. But what we don't need is God to perpetrate my sense of justice on somebody else. We need God to handle it. If we're going to let God handle it, then you've got to let him handle it. Don't ask how he's going to handle it. Don't tell him how to handle it. You've got to say, God, I need you to handle this because this person's being ugly to me. This person's been being mean to me. This person has offended me and hurt me. And there's a place in there where it's okay to go sit down with them and say, hey, I need to talk to you. And if they do not respond in a way that you feel like things have gotten better, you have an opportunity and an option. Find somebody else and sit down and have the conversation again, or step up and realize you've done everything that you can, and it's okay for you to step back away from this person. Because there's no sense in getting hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. So what does God say? in the book of Romans that you and I are to do when we're offended, when we're hurt, when somebody does something to us. Number one, give it over to God. When we get hurt, when somebody's ugly to us, gossiping about us, saying things about us, whatever that might be, when, when we're there, the first thing we need to do is give it over to God and realize God will take care of it, okay? We've got to remember that if we will draw near to God and if we will trust God, we can trust him to be God. Paul reminds us as he writes in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not dishonor other people. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Give it to God and walk away from it. Love, if it lives inside of us, keeps no records of wrongs. Now, when we do marriage counseling, my wife and I will say, one of the couple is going to be somebody who keeps records of wrongs. They don't have a book in their pocket, but they got one in their head. You know, you did this on Saturday, January 13th, 1983. I remember when you did that. Then you did it again here. Then you did it again here. And you, you're just like, you know, I'm, I'm keeping record of everything you've done wrong. When God says, set it down and walk away from it, you're carrying something that you have no business carrying, and it's killing you, and you don't even know it. It keeps no records of wrong, and love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. That phrase, love does not delight in evil, means love doesn't get excited when bad things happen to people that you wish bad things would happen to. That's literally what that means. When it comes around and you think, there you go, they got their own, yeah, what about that? Love doesn't do that. Love hurts for the person that got their own because love treats them like somebody that doesn't know love. And that's a tough thing. Once again, I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the hardest teaching, the single hardest teaching of Jesus Christ is this, love your enemy. I believe it, I, I really do. Because it's hard. When we get hurt by somebody and we want to lash back out, it is hard not to.
first thing you do is you give it over to God. Okay? Sometimes we think that if God will just smite them, we'll feel better. I just want you to know that that is a lie that the devil sells you. Don't buy it. Okay? Second thing, be zealous, but don't lose your spiritual fervor. Okay? Feel the fire. Let the fire drive you, but let the fire drive you in understanding that people, people don't understand love. They don't know love. And we've been called to be that kind of a people. And we have to be overcomers. We've got to keep our zeal going. I believe, again, I believe that this last year has caused so many Christian people to drift from their walks with God. Obviously, we couldn't always be in church together, but we begin to drift. And when we drift, we go back to the things that we used to do. We go back to drinking. We go back to partying. We go back to gossiping. We go back to, to believing the enemy that I'm worthless, that God doesn't love me, that he would never do anything good for me. We go back to those things. We drift away from that which we receive, Paul said to Timothy, with the laying on of hands. We drift from it unless, we're, unless we maintain our zeal. It was Jesus himself speaking in Revelation 2 and 3 that said, To him who overcomes, he who overcomes, to him who perseveres, to him who overcomes, he who overcomes, him who overcomes, to him. Seven churches, seven churches full of Christian people, seven times he said, You have got to persevere in my teachings in following me until the day you die. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm one of those guys that, that finds himself struggling. And I have to get up and I have to apologize and I have to say I'm sorry, Lord, and I have to go make it right with whoever I need to and then I have to keep going. It's an ideal. It's the perfect ideal. We just have to have a heart that lives in perpetual repentance and a recognition that other people that don't have love are going to hurt us. Give them their space. What happens when your zeal for truth and morality and integrity begins to wane. What does that look like inside of you? What happens to the person that doesn't overcome? If, if Jesus said to the person who uh, overcomes, they will be given the right to eat from the tree of life, then what happens to the person, the Christian purple person in the church in Laodicea? What happens to that Christian person that doesn't stay at it, stay the course, doesn't overcome? They don't get to eat from that tree. That's that's black and white, one and one. And that's where God doesn't want us. And then finally, when it comes down to it, you will be surprised that you can turn the heart of somebody by doing this. Give. I don't mean give money. That's not what I'm trying to get at. Paul said to the church, when it comes down to it, give. If somebody's cursing you, give them a blessing. If somebody who hates you is thirsty, give them a drink of water. If they're hungry, feed them doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't, I promise you. But God said it will turn people around. It will. Giving somebody, giving into somebody's life can change a heart, but it can change yours as well as theirs. When you give, God can give back. God can restore whatever you let go of. And Jesus said it this way, show me a denarius whose image is on the inscription caesar's they replied he said then give to caesar what is caesar's give to god what is god and so they were unable to trap him in this public discourse but the bottom line is you and i have been called to give to give love to give compassion to give empathy to give to give to give 
That's what we've been called to do. And when our enemy comes against us, the Lord says, give. And watch things begin to change. When we're hurt and offended, God says, give. It might be give them time, sit down, explain it to them, and, and work on this relationship. But all of us, at some point, somewhere, have been hurt. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If he's persecuting you, pray for him. If he's cursing you, the scripture says, blessing, bless him. So here's my question for you this morning. Gunpowder and lead, that's our natural reaction. But who are you carrying through life and they don't even know it? Who has hurt you so deeply like David? You just want God to rain fire on the history of this person that, that nobody will ever know they existed on the earth. And God is saying, don't pray that prayer. Just give the situation to me. Who is that person in your life that has hurt you, stolen from you, walked away from you, left you, lied to you, cheated on you, whatever it might be? Who is that person? Or who have you done it to? And God is saying, today is a day of dealing with it. You have to deal with it. My wife showed me one time that her way of dealing with it, she had been through something that she'd been hurt pretty bad. And so she made this great big old list, great big old list. And she knew when she was making the list that the only thing God wanted her to do with that list was take it out and put it on the grill and light it on fire. Tell God and let him deal with it. Because if you don't, these people will get up with you, lay down with you, eat with you, go on vacation with you. They, you. they will be in your life and they will be eating your life right out from underneath of you. And God says, that's not what I want. God says, give me that burden. Who is that person that you're carrying around that God said it's time to put them down? Give them to me. I want to encourage you in that. These people are up here to pray with you so you can do just exactly that. You don't have to tell them all the circumstances. You just simply say, hey, will you pray for me? I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to go into a worship song. And do, during this worship song, you can bring your person up here and lay it down in front of these people, and they will pray for you. They will just simply pray for you, and you can walk away from here clean. Or with the knowledge, as one man said as he was walking out of first service, I now know what I have to do. I need to go talk to this person and work this out. Because I know this message is for real and it demands an action from us. And sometimes that action's not easy. But following Jesus is the answer. And it's also where we get our peace by letting these things go. Let's pray. Father, who is God in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for who you are in our lives. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for your blessing. We thank you, God, that you came to give us peace. We thank you, God, that you came to, to show us how to live a life without carrying all the baggage that's killing us if we'll just simply bring it to you. As we come before you, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come down here. We invite you to be upon our lives. Touch our souls where we've been hurt by a parent, by a sibling, by a boss, by a, whatever, a church, whatever it's been, God. Help us to be winners. Winners get help. We come to you for our help in our time of need, and we come boldly before your throne. It's this that we thank you for. In Jesus' name.
We're going to go into this song. And like I said, these people are up here. They would love to pray with you. God's been speaking to your heart. Just bring it up here and lay it down.